Well, hey, good morning, everybody, and I am so excited to be here. I know I say that every single time that I'm honored to bring the Sunday morning message, but I truly, truly, from the bottom of my heart, so excited to bring today's message. Pastor Tim and the Hobson family, they are in Florida for the next couple weeks, so this week I get to pick up where we left off in our study of Ephesians. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Megan Fondren, and I'm one of the volunteer staff members here at Real Life. And every now and then I get to bring a message, and it's really exciting, sometimes, well, it used to be a little intimidating until God just spoke to me to relax and to just walk in the calling that he has for me, even though I consider myself just a layman, regular human person, uh, God has asked me to do something great and mighty in getting his word out. So I think that's exciting, and I think I bring something a little bit unique compared to Pastor Tim or maybe Pastor Bob who have the, the theology or the seminary background where I don't. And I I love to just take that moment to encourage you that God has something for you to do. You were made on purpose for a purpose, and it's okay if you don't feel qualified or equipped to do it because it's not about you anyway. It's about God in you. So if God's putting something in your heart, stirring a dream, giving you a vision, go after it. Be bold in your faith because it's going to be God who's going to equip you, give you the resources you need, and then make you fruitful in what he's called you to do. Well, hey, with that being said, let's just dive right in to Ephesians chapter 5. But before we do, I always want to open in prayer just to let God take over my words because I just want to be a vessel for him to get what he wants to say across. And, and this morning, I'm actually going to pray a prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians I thought was kind of fitting since we're studying Ephesians, but also anytime we pray God's word back to him, we can be sure that we are praying in alignment with his will. So that's another reason why I like to pray this prayer, but let's just pray together. God, I just thank you so much for this opportunity. God, just use my mouth to, to get your words, your message across. And I just pray for the hearts of the people to receive what you have to say for them this morning. And God, I just pray that you give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. Lord, I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of our glorious inheritance in you for your your holy people, God, and that we can understand your incomparably great power for us who believe in Jesus name. Amen. So we've been the last few deeps or last few weeks diving deep into Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And when study, studying Ephesians, I've been using my new study Bible and I love it because the intro page to the book of Ephesians, it kind of gives you, you know, a little bit of background and what this letter is all about. And just to give you a little bit of a background, this letter was written to a church, to the church in a city called Ephesus. So that's why it's to the Ephesians. And Ephesus was kind of like this big bustling city during Bible times. And it was, it was one of the biggest cities at the time. And so there would have been a lot of different cultures, a lot of diversity, a lot of different religions, a lot of different worldviews. And when I think of Ephesus, I kind of think of a, like a woke society. Does that sound familiar to anybody? That's kind of what I picture when we think about Ephesus. Um, so when I, when I read my study Bible, it 
says this about Paul's purpose of writing this letter to the Ephesians. And it says, Paul wrote Ephesians to expand the horizons of his readers, which would have been the church, so that they might understand better the dimensions of God's eternal purpose and grace and come to appreciate the high goals God has for the church. So basically, he wanted to teach the church. He wanted to teach them the things of God, the ways of God, and how they are to walk in them. You know, because salvation is great. You know, getting eternal life with Jesus, that is so wonderful. But our lives don't stop at salvation. And so there's just so much more to living than that. And Paul's purpose in writing this letter was to help Christians understand the why behind this wonderful gift of salvation. Because God's plans for his people, they are so good and they are so big. And God wants us to get on board with these plans. But how are we supposed to get on board if we don't know what they are in the first place? So that is the point of Ephesians and Paul letter to them. And it's sort of broken down into two main sections, if you will. And Pastor Tim covered the first section in chapters one through three. And if I could summarize the, those three chapters in just a simple phrase, it would be our privileges as children of God. You know, the new identity that we automatically receive as soon as we cross over from death to life when we give our hearts over to Jesus. And then the second part of Ephesians, we started last week and goes from chapters four through six. And again, if I could summarize just with a simple phrase, the purpose behind the, the second half of the book of Ephesians, it would be our spiritual responsibilities as Christians, you know? So this would be the acts of faith on our part that are required in order to fully access and walk in the privileges or this new identity that we have as believers. But don't think of this as something that we must do in order to gain God's favor because there is nothing we can do to gain God's favor. We already have it because of what Jesus did on the cross. But think of this as more of how we partner with God in, in accomplishing what he wants to do in us and through us. So this is really, in my opinion, where the journey of walking with Christ in this new life with Jesus, this is where it gets exciting. And I loved how Pastor Tim put it last week when we were uh, studying chapter four and learning about our memory verse, meditating on our memory verse, which was Ephesians 4.1, that says, uh, walk in the manner worthy of your calling. I love it. So it's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's about who you are, recognizing your identity and how distinguished you are. Walk and act like the royal that you are. Walk and act like the piece of gem that you are. Walk and act like the masterpiece that you are. I love that. And these privileges that we're talking about here, they're, they're promises of God. And God's promises, he says, are already yes. They are available to all believers. Every single one of his promises, he has already said yes. We get them as believers. But we have to learn how to agree with him, how to receive them and walk in them. All right, so not doing that, not learning how to access and walk in those promises, that's like kind of having something of great value that's meant to be used, put up high on a shelf, 
in another room. You know, and I was trying to think of an analogy for this and, and the best I could come up with, it would be like trying to write a midterm paper for school, whether it's high school, middle school, college, whatever, trying to write a midterm paper using like a stone tablet like Moses would have had with like a little hammer and chisel. And you're just hammering and chiseling away for your midterm paper when you've got this perfectly good brand new MacBook on the shelf in the other room. How much easier, how much more of a blessing, how much better would life be and that midterm paper be if you just went and grabbed that MacBook, right? That was the best analogy I could come up with, but these promises are meant to be used. These promises are meant to be applied, so we just need to learn how to do that. And chapter three, I'm sorry, the first three chapters of Ephesians, again, they detail our identity and our status as believers, you know, the privileges that we receive as soon as we believe. But chapter four, and then today, as we're going to learn into chapter five, we kind of shift into the responsibility of the believer to act, you know, because what about all that gunk that we brought with us? What about all the junk in the trunk, all the stinking thinking that we have? What about all that sin that had kept us bound for so long? You know, for most of us, those things are still plaguing us. They're still with us. Our, our stinking thinking doesn't just poof, snap, disappear like magic. I mean, I wish it were that simple, but most of us, if you're a normal person, you're still going to be struggling with some of those things you know, even though you became a believer and Jesus set you free, right? So chapter five addresses this. We are no longer slaves to sin, but there is now a process that we need to understand and, and walk in to help break those chains and the effects that the sin had on our lives for so long. And, and this can be very hard, but it is doable. Matthew 19, 26, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And so we're going to take a look at chapter five in light of four T's. My husband helped me come up with this little concept so that we can really grasp and understand in an easy way what Paul is trying to get across here in chapter five. So the four T's are the truth, the template, the task, and the triumph. So we're going to start with the first one, the truth. And if I could summarize this in one word, it would be ahava. You guys remember this word? We've studied it a couple of times and we dug really deep into it a couple weeks ago when we learned of, about chapter three. Everything God has done has been out of his sacrificial love, his ahava for us. Ahava is that Hebrew word that means like this giving love. And Ephesians 5 starts out by commanding us to follow in God's footsteps. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It all boils down to love but not the love that we are accustomed to know and to understand in, in the world that we're living in today. You know, the type of love that God desires is not some fluffy feeling that others make me feel or dependent on what others can do for me. You know, God's love is ahava, it's action. It's an act of giving. Remember John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. First John 3.16, this is how we know 
know what love is, Jesus gave his life for us, and we ought to give our lives for our brothers and sisters. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave up his life. So he gives. He shows his love by giving himself to us, which results in our freedom, our fullness, our peace, our eternal life, our joy, our prosperity, our life to the full, just to name a few of the promises. All of this is simply ours, simply because he loves. Guys, there is nothing that you can do to earn this love. This is just truth. And then that's where we transition into the template here. But once we understand this truth about God's love, this is truth with a capital T, okay? So there's nothing, it's, it's irrefutable, it's absolute. There's nothing you can do to change it, to manipulate it, to warp it, to fit your own, um, your own opinions. You can try, but then that becomes truth with a lowercase t that is not reliable, that changes. But the truth with a capital T is still the fact that God loves you and there's nothing that you can do to change that. So once we grasp this truth, we realize that there kind of is a responsibility on our part to walk in everything that God has for us. And the responsibility is what it takes for us on our part to just fully access the privileges as God's children. His love and his promises, they are not dependent on works from us. His love and his promises are not contingent on anything that we do except believe and receive. His love and his promises are not conditional. They're there. But God does design a blueprint or a template for us to follow. And this template is how we live out of his love. It teaches us how to live life to the full out of his love for us, out of his superior knowledge that God knows best. And so his ahava compels us or inspires us to ahava him back and give of ourselves. And that leads to change. And that's the whole point of, of giving our lives to Jesus anyway, to come out of the life that we created for ourselves and step into and start living in the life that God had intended for us in the first place so that we can be transformed. Because and you know, because we couldn't come up with this love on our own, we couldn't get our own transformation coming up with our own ideas because we're just not that creative of a species, you know? God gives us this template or this blueprint or this instruction manual, if you will, to guide us. Psalm 119 verse 109, his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So this template for how to do this is found in his word in the Bible. And I like, there's this old band called, um, oh, what are they called? Burlap to Cashmere. And they have this song about the Bible. And you know, the Bible, there's no Bible on the front page. That's really funny. But B-I-B-L-E. And in the song, it says, this, this stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. And I always thought that was so cool um, that that's what this Bible is all about. You know, it's how we're supposed to live life. But be careful because this is not a book of instructions on how to gain God's love. Okay, this is a story 
story, a love story between you and your redeemer. Again, there is nothing you can do to earn God's love, but I like the, the thought of having it be like an instruction manual on how we live life to the full, right? So uh, when we come to God, you know, we're already, we already are what we are, okay? But we're kind of in pieces. And I have a little object lesson here. We're going to see if it works. Okay, so I grabbed these Legos from my kid's box. And so these Legos... Oh, man. I'm definitely making a mess. All right. Just like these Legos. All right, everything that we need to be what we were meant to be. It's right here, right? And I'm just gonna do this here so that I can access my Bible and my notes. Okay, so just like these Legos, we have a unique design. We already are this masterpiece that the author and the perfecter of our faith intended and, and sees us to be. But we're in pieces. We're in pieces when we come to Jesus. My life was a mess, just like this. And there's even things in this bucket that don't belong. A screw, get that out of here. A pen, what's that doing there? There's things in our lives that don't even belong. But the masterpiece, everything that we need to build those pieces and put those pieces together to create that which the author intended in the first place. It's all right there. So how do we do this? How do we create that which the author and the creator intended? Well, we follow the instruction manual, right? And today we're going to be building a Lego Friends schoolhouse. And this is kind of thick, you know? So how do we do this? We start with step one. And it might seem tedious, but we have to start in the beginning. And sometimes you're gonna get to a, a level or a, a step in the process that seems really confusing, it seems really hard. Or you might get to a step that you're like, well, this seems really silly and pointless, so I don't wanna do that, I might skip it. But guys, we can't do that. Because if you skip the steps, if you try to move ahead, if you try to, to come up with your own rules about how this, this masterpiece is supposed to be put together, you might end up with a product that's better than the pieces in the first place. You might end up with a product that's pretty cool and might be kind of neat, but it's not going to be functioning at its full potential. And that's the point of this. And the instruction manual that we need to be following is the instruction manual that was written by the author and the perfecter himself, his word, not by going to YouTube or TikTok land and listening to the instructions on life for some schmuck out there that thinks they know. No, you go to the source of life itself. And, you know, we're using Legos here uh, as an, and an instruction manual for Legos as a visual aid today just to show that God works in steps and that building our life and becoming all that we can be, walking fully in his promises, it's a process. Again, not because the Bible is a step-by-step -step instructions on a bunch of do's to don'ts in order for you to be good enough, okay? We've already covered this. This is a love story, and God loves you, and it's out of his love that he wants to build you into the masterpiece that you are.
Again, Ephesians 5, 1 through 2, follow God's example as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Another translation for follow God's example is imitate God as dearly loved children. And dearly loved children, they imitate their earthly parents. I remember when Alex, he's 10 now, when he was real little, you know, I'd be upstairs giving him a bath and I might need his dad's help or something. So I would yell down, Joey, Joey. Well, Alex, all of a sudden you would hear him yelling, Joey, and it was so precious. Or Olivia, who's 14 now, I would catch her multiple times clunking around the house and her daddy's humongous size 13 shoe and her little foot is a teeny tiny foot. She just wanted to imitate her big, strong daddy. You know, I'm sure we all have these precious, precious stories of our kids trying to imitate us. Well, God, he is our perfect father and he loves when his children imitate him and we are to imitate his love we are to imitate him imitate his love and and give ourselves away submit to him give up our ways of living and follow his ways and not because he's some mean power hungry dictator but because he first loved us first John 419 says that we love because he first loved us so ahava sacrificially Ahava, give yourself entirely because he gave himself entirely. Ahava in a way that is too big to measure. Just like God, Ephesians 3, 18 through 19. May you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete. Guys, we are made complete by this love. Who needs that feeling of being made complete? right? It's not just me. And not just because he loves us do we submit to him, but because God is our good father, he knows better. Isaiah 55, 9, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And when we understand that this is the love God is calling us to, it's easier to understand that the higher calling he has for his church, as Paul's letter to the Ephesians was meant. And I want to read a few scriptures here. 1 John 5, 3, loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. So it's not a list of do's and don'ts. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. So obeying leads to victory. John 14, 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. So our obedience is out of our love for him, our ahava back to him. So just to simplify this, he created us, so he loves us. That's simple. He loves us, so we love. Keep it as simple as that. We love him, so we obey him. Guys, that is the simple template, and this is the template that God wants to use for our sanctification. And sanctification, don't be afraid of that word. It's just a big fancy term that describes the process that God uses to mold us, to shape us, to put our pieces together, and to make us into Christ's image and how we reach our full potential and design that he had for our lives. And again, this is all out of his great love for us that he desires us to be transformed into the masterpiece that he intended. So the task, 
The higher calling God has for his church, you know, the whole point of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, it's all about the attributes of the church and how the church is supposed to look. So, you know, what is chapter five pointing out about this? Well, to simplify it, it's really just about partnering with God, not because we must, but because we fall so madly in love with him that we start to realize we, we get to and we want to do something to express our love back to him. So knowing his ways are better than our ways, we want to do what he wants us to do. And that's a good thing because the church is set apart. You know, we are different. We are called out. And if you have access to your notes, I put a bunch of different scriptures that solidify how we are to be different. So this means that we talk differently. Maybe we walk differently. We act differently. We go different places. Maybe we even look differently than what popular culture says that we should act or look or think or even the way we dress, right? But instead of feeling excluded or rejected about this, although Jesus does promise that we will be rejected and the world will hate us because of our connection to Christ. But instead of being bummed out and like down about this, this is exciting. This is like VIP stuff. It's like being knowing the winning team for sure and you get to be the first pick for that winning team. That is awesome. But it also looks practical and it has practical applications for our day-to-day -day lives and this task of ours is to come out of our sin and walk in the light Ephesians 5 8 you were in the darkness but now you are the light of the Lord live as children of light that's what we're to do in the end of chapter 4 and into chapter 5, it's pretty straightforward on calling us out in our sin. Yeah, it's kind of, yep, I can really, I believe that Paul is being blatant and he's being, being very blunt and calling it what it is, not because he wants to condemn us, because Jesus said there is no condemnation for us, but because he wants us to understand that every little detail, the specific details of our lives matter. You know, and he wants us to grasp the greatness that God has called us to. And if we're stuck in our old ways and we don't even realize what sin is in our lives, because we don't know what we don't know. So if Paul doesn't point out what these sins are and we keep walking in them just because we don't know, then we're not going to reach our full potential. So Paul is calling us out in our sin so that we can be called out of it. So the task that we must do to partner with him and therefore fully access the privileges of God's children and give up sin, give of ourselves, pour our lives out. And this is such a backwards way, a backwards thinking to this world. You know, the thought patterns and the, and the ways that we've been conditioned to know and understand, especially in this day and age that we're living in when self-love and self-everything is just right in our faces. But this giving up a sin and coming out of sin is, again, not about us following a bunch of rules or do's and don'ts because that's religion. Coming out of our sin and walking in the light, it's about life and it is about love. It's about releasing the burden of self-righteousness and cloaking ourselves in the righteousness of God because our righteousness is not worthy and we could never measure up. But we now have the in Christ status, so we're distinguished. This results in a distinguished life from that of the world. And this is a choice that we made when we chose Jesus. We choose to walk in the way of love. We choose to take off that old nature and we choose to obey God 
to be transformed. And we ought to, but not for salvation's sake, not for getting some ticket to heaven, but for the sake of love. Not because we're supposed to, but this is who we are now. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, anyone is in, or if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. This is who we are now. And Paul details many of the sins in chapters 4 and 5. And you know, there's, there's other sins listed in the Bible that God just knows isn't good for us. But I think Paul focuses on these here that he listed intentionally. I think he had this like supernatural um, like understanding or supernatural insight that these are the main sins that kind of like trap us and, and, and deceive us so successfully over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I really love, again, the way my study Bible describes Ephesus because it just reminds me so much of the culture and the society that we live in today. And this is me me realize when I read through chapters four and five that these sins have kind of transcended time and been responsible for tripping up Christians for thousands of years. So I'm just going to read through this list of a few that he listed in chapters four and mostly chapter five. Just see if any of them resonate with you, okay? So here we go. Indulging in every kind of impurity, which is basically anything that God that opposes God's plan for your life. You can check that off of my list. Uh, greed, yep. Lies, uh-huh. Stealing, yes. Um, my mom made me go back and pay for the lemonade that I stole. And then she made me go back and pay for the candy I stole. So I did learn some lessons, but yes, you can check stealing off of my list. Ooh, unwholesome talk, gossip, foolish talk coarse joking. I put some scripture in here. Guys, this is the reason I used to think that I wasn't worthy of preaching a message because of the unwholesome talk. But that's how powerful our God is. He redeems our darkest qualities and uses them for his purpose. But yes, you can check this off of my list. Bitterness. Yep. Rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice. Yes, 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 yes. Sexual immorality, the act of sex or thoughts of sex between people outside of the covenant of marriage. And the Bible described or defines the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman. And I gave you some scripture to back that up. Yeah, guilty of that too. A lot of us are. And these things that Paul points out, again, they are not condemning us, but they are meant to reveal to us how we can come out, how we can practically step out of the darkness and walk in the light of Christ. Because these things that Paul listed, he describes them in chapter 5, verse 11 as fruitless. But if we look at John 15, 5, God desires us to bear much fruit. So God has something for us in this life, freedom and pleasures like you've never known were even possible. And all these things that God has for us, this is referred to as new wine. It's something new. And in the Bible times, they would put this new wine, this fresh wine into new wine skins. Because if you tried to put something new into the old, already used wine skins, it would burst. It would not be able to hold it. And then that new wine that newness, the best of what God has, it would just dissipate and it would run out, right? So we have to, this, this old wineskin represents our old way of living. We can't stay stuck in the same rut and the same lifestyle, the same 
excuses, the same ways that we've been stuck, we have to step into that new wineskin and that represents the new life that God designed for us so that everything that he has for us, which is the new wine, can be poured in and made complete. So you can't keep living in the same old rut and the same patterns of life that just keep leaving you empty and only satisfied for a moment until you're empty again. But, but listen, please, if you're, if you're fretting about, about this, the struggle, you know, if you're struggling with this transformation and becoming who you are in Christ, remember it's a process and it's lifelong. And if you're a regular human like me, you're going to overcome one area of your life just to realize you're struggling with a whole nother area. So you got to go through this process all over again, sometimes multiple times a minute, sometimes multiple times a day or a week. That's okay. The more and more you submit to the process, the more God will mold you, the more God will piece you together piece by piece and create the masterpiece that he intended in the first place. But be on the lookout. I want to give us some warning signs so that we can recognize. 1 Peter 5, 8 warns, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy is going to do anything and everything in his power to hold you back and keep you from walking in those promises and to keep you distracted from the work and the wonder that God is doing in your life. John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And one way that he does this is by convincing us that sin is fine. You know, we, we don't think that we are the problem, and that would be comparing our righteousness. And it's not our righteousness in the first place, but when we think of it this way, we start to do that. You know, we look over at these people and we think, I'm not doing what they're doing. So that's deception. Another way the enemy deceives us is we, we tend to give up on living in the light because we realize that we are never going to measure up to the perfection because the enemy makes us think that we have to be perfect. Again, that's uh, using self-righteousness instead of cloaking yourself in the righteousness of God because it's not anything we have to do. We'll never be perfect, but the enemy deceives us into thinking that we do, so we give up trying in the first place because we will never do it. We'll never make it. And then another way he succeeds in deceiving us is making us think that the sin that we're tempted by is better, more fun, more satisfying, more fulfilling than what God has for us. And I think the reason that sin tends to, it is because sin tends to target our physical and emotional wants and desires. You know, you know, it's te- it makes us tempted by things that feel good, that taste good, that sound good, that, that seem good, but really they're destroying our soul. But it's the physical world that we live in and these sins that we're tempted by feed our physical self. So because it's the physical world we live in, it's hard to see the destruction to our soul and our spirit. But reality is our true self is our soul and our spirit. That's our eternal self. But I think that's why we tend to get stuck in the fact that sin seems more fun. That's a lie from the enemy. The enemy also loves to deceive us into thinking that we're stuck in our sin, that we are beyond redemption, we'll always be bound by the chains, we are not good enough, we need to feel guilty, we deserve condemnation. That's a lie as well. No matter what tactic the enemy uses to distract you from what God is doing, it's going to be deception. So guys, let the truth of what we've been talking about all throughout this sermon, let that resonate you because who the sun set free is free indeed. 
Okay, receive that truth this morning. And in order to be successful in fleeing from sin and living in this full life, it is vital that we understand this blueprint or this template that God has outlined for us. So practically speaking, how we can apply it to our lives, it might take us cutting off old relationships with friends and starting new relationships, you know? Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, take off the old and put on the new. So this is the responsible action of formally rejecting the behaviors that were indicative of our old self and those behaviors or, and, you know, and cutting off those behaviors or those people that we aligned ourselves with that were in the darkness instead of the light. You know, besides making new friends, it will definitely take seeking counsel from godly people and not from sinners. And you can see that advice in Psalm 1, 1 through 6. So get a spiritual mentor. Uh, it will probably take listening to new music, reading new books, watching new movies or TV shows. It doesn't mean you have to give up your favorite country star or you're just a Bieber or my girls, there's Taylor Swift. You don't have to give that up completely, but recognize that what you put in is what you're getting out and you need to have good truth put in you. And if you need some help, my favorites for singers, Stephanie Gretzinger, Maverick City Music, Rend Collective. They just sing truth to the Lord and you can get lost in his presence worshiping him. And that's amazing. So it will definitely take getting into the word, not because of obligation, but because you're going to find this is the bread of life. And if you're hungry, this is the only thing that is going to truly satisfy. It will take prayer, communing with God, having a conversation with him, and then so talking to him and then listening for him in return. Prayer is the currency between heaven and earth. That is how we pull down the heavenly realms into earth. Uh, it will take putting what you learn from the Bible into practice. You can see that in James 1, 22 through 25. And then Ephesians 5, 16 through 20. It will take making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So speak to each other and with psalms, hymns, songs. That means encouraging one another. We need to sing and make music from our hearts to the Lord. And we need to always give thanks to God for everything. Have a grateful heart. And Proverbs 4, 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guys, as Christians, we are not flippant about sin. We need to be serious about addressing it, conforming to God's word, and truly pursuing a life of purity and holiness because this affects our day-to-day -day lives and our ability to be the church, which is meant to shine a light and be a witness for him. As God's chosen people, we should not, or we should be filled with life, not brokenness, because that's the best part, the triumph. A life in Christ is not just about salvation, but a freedom in this life. Access to all those promises that God already said yes to, but us saying amen, we agree to these promises that are already there. And this leads to a triumph of a satisfaction and a fullness of life that we've never even known. And we triumph as we receive this new wine in those new wineskins that we talked about a minute ago. And just some examples of this includes the fruits of the Spirit you can find in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This also include, includes promises, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You are seen, you are loved, you are chosen, you are a masterpiece. Your joy is made complete. Guys, the list could go on and on. 
And we also triumph because we are now in a position to receive all the spiritual blessings, the new identity, the status of being Christ followers. And one of the best truths about all of this is once you hand your heart over to Jesus, it is no longer on you to perform. You just have to walk in him and abide in him. And then it is God who takes that heart of stone that couldn't receive and gives you a heart of flesh that receives and that can pour out. Receives his ahava, pours out his ahava. And that's found in Ezekiel 36. And then Philippians 2.13, it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So our part is simply following that template to receive, which is the most important action on our part, but then pour out the ahava of God. It's not on us, aside from partnering with God. It's on the Holy Spirit who can and will change you. When you choose to partner with God and follow his template, the things that you used to want, you're not going to have an appetite for anymore. And the things that you used to think sounded boring or that you would never want to partake of, you're going to start to crave that. You know, the, the old places you used to hang out, the old activities you used to do, the old people, the old way that you used to joke with those people, it's going to start to cause like a, maybe a queasiness or just an unrest feeling in your soul. Pay attention to that. That is the Holy Spirit leading and prompting you. You're not going to desire it so much anymore. You're going to start to be pulled over to new people, to new ways of speaking, new ways of joking, new activities, new ways to go. And when that brings almost this like completeness or this fullness, it's something that you can't really explain, but I know we've all experienced it. Pay attention to that. That is the Holy Spirit leading you and prompting you from darkness. You're coming out of the darkness into the light. And that is awesome. These are the fruits of your transformation. And our transformation is molding us into the likeness of Jesus. And Jesus always put God's will first and others above himself. Jesus was obedient even unto death. And in our worldly limited mind, that seems like it would mean defeat, but it's the opposite. It's victory. And that means we have the victory. And this was God's plan from the start by submitting to God's plan, by being obedient even unto death and fulfilling the command to love. Jesus, man, he defeated death. He defeated death. And this is so countercultural that I, I really think that this is one of the main stumbling blocks for people to receive this truth because it just doesn't make sense. Yet there's something inside of us that comes alive when we receive it and we recognize it. We are the ones who reap the benefits of this relationship. God makes known the paths of life, and when we walk in it, he fills us with joy and eternal pleasures, things that we've never known were possible to experience are ours. That's what Psalm 1611 says. We get this fruitfulness and this complete soul satisfaction that will never leave us empty. And when we continue walking in the ways of the world, that's fruitless. And it does leave us empty. Ephesians 5.11 have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of the darkness, but rather expose them. Bring them over into the light because then they can't keep you bound anymore. Again, this is not a calling to be perfect. We can never be perfect. But it's a call to walk in the light and the way, which is Jesus, who is life and love. 
And this leads to joy, peace, provision, wholeness, peace. Guys, I've said it before and I'm gonna leave it at that because now it's time for you to dive into what he says about you. What promises are available to you who believes? Dig in and find out for yourself. That is the point. That's you partnering. That's you submitting yourself to him. And this word submission, you know, we think about submission becoming weak or subservient or being less than. But in the kingdom of heaven, the least becomes greatest. And this submission, it leads to our transformation. And truly, this is a transformation that every created being longs for, whether they recognize it or not. The transformation is a result of following this template, you know, the set of instructions and this, this new being, this new creation. It's amazing. When we yield to the creator's capable hands, you know, submitting to the process, we're made into his image, his masterpiece, something so special that he intended from the start. Just like this Lego here, all those pieces, when we allow God put, to put them together, it creates something so amazing. This is beautiful. This is so intricate. This is the Lego Friends school. And it says the high school right here, the doors open, we got some landscaping. And then when we turn it around, Man, the details are astounding, and it is so beautiful that the author, that the creator even thought that it would matter. You've got lockers here. You've got sub sandwiches and plates and cups in the cafeteria. There's even little Lego people toilet paper on the toilet. The, the creator has thought about every single detail and has put it together in perfection so that by following the step-by-step -step process of taking those pieces and making something whole and beautiful, guys, God longs to do that with you. And I just have a few more thoughts here. Don't focus on being caught in sin. Focus on the one who sets you free from it. Dive into who he is and who he says you are in him. Okay, don't pour all your energy into changing because that's religion. Pour your energy into developing a relationship with your Redeemer. Get into his word, get into prayer, put on some worship music and get into his presence and get to know him and, and just watch how your life is transformed because that transformation is a natural byproduct of you walking with him and know that there is no condemnation for you. So if you're feeling guilty by anything that was said this morning, recognize that as a lie from the enemy and pray about it and receive the fact that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And if you don't know this Jesus, I'm so excited to give you the opportunity to know him today. If you don't know him, we're just, the Bible says that you just need to confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and all those who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. And if you wanna do that this morning, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, we want you today. I want you today. Come into my heart. Take me from that darkness into your glorious, wonderful light. Teach me who you are. I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, please call the church. Please send us a message. Please let us know in the comments, whatever. We want to come alongside you and equip you for this new, awesome, awesome life in Jesus. Well, guys, thank you so much for having me. Um, I will see you next time. Get into his word and see what he does for you. See you later.